Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. So, so wonderful to be able to see our young people serving in the service and doing something for the Lord. Amen. And uh, they will not, I promise you, they will not forget these days uh, when they were used during the children's offering. Amen. I have no doubt in my mind they'll remember it as long as they live. Amen. First Thessalonians tonight, chapter number four. First Thessalonians, chapter number four. <coughs> And we'll pick up tonight where we left off this morning. Uh, we've been in this passage just a couple of times. Uh, spent uh, three messages here already. Spent the first one uh, introducing this text, talking about the church at Thessalonica. Spent the second message uh, on the subject of the Christian's comfort, looking at the promise of the rapture. And then this morning we came back and <coughs> talked about some of the particulars of the rapture. And we'll pick up there this evening and uh, look at some other thoughts tonight as the Lord <coughs> will help us. I have been fine all day and I start talking right before I preach and get a tickle in my throat. Amen. Y'all pray for us. First Thessalonians chapter number 4 and we'll invite you to stand as we honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God together. First uh, Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 13. My timer's not wanting to start. I know y'all want that to start. Amen. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter number 4 verse 13. The Bible says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also <coughs> which sleep in Jesus will the Lord bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are <coughs> alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, <coughs> Excuse me, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, and so, and meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Of course, verse 18 is where we're taking our thought out of for these days. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer tonight, and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us today. <coughs> Let's pray together. Our kind, gracious, heavenly Father, we come into your presence once again as thankfully and humbly as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for all that we have heard and experienced and felt in our spirit tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful side of being able to see these children go around and collect up an offering for missionaries. Thank you, Lord. 
for the report we were able to give about one of our missionaries serving you faithfully on a foreign field, uh, Lord, in one of the hardest places to serve in the world. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that this church has a, a gospel witness and a, and a representative in that dark corner of the world. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the ministries of our church, how you allow us to stand as a beacon of light and truth in this community. And Father, we do pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we go forward to be more and to do more for your honor and for your glory. Lord, help us to be soul winners that we should be. Help us, God, to be the missionaries that we should be right here in our Jerusalem, I pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you'd always help us to keep, uh, Lord God, the time frame of the church age in mind. Lord God, that while we're here and we are enjoying the blessings of God and salvation, and we do enjoy the fact that we have a message that we can tell the entire world, uh, Lord, and it gives them hope of eternity. Lord, if they just trust in Christ and that they will be saved. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be saved. And while it's wonderful to have that message, Lord, we realize that the days to give that message are getting, uh, Lord, shorter and shorter each and every day. The time frame in which we have to be the witness that we ought to be. Lord, <coughs> it's drawing more nigh and more nigh each and every day. Father, we do pray that you'd help us to be faithful to serve you all the days of our life. Lord, I pray that you would find us faithfully serving when you come back to get us. Father, we do pray that you would take uh, this time together. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me for your glory, make me a blessing to both saint and sinner alike, preaching to the need that they have in, the, in their life. Father, I pray that through the spirit of God you'd use me to be, uh, Lord, a mouth peace that you will speak through. I pray these people will not see me, but they'd see you. I pray that they'd hear heaven's message to them tonight. Heavenly Father, I do pray as we look on this truth concerning the rapture of the church, as we look in this passage and other passages considering what the Word of God says about this wonderful subject, about this next appointed time on your time, your prophetic timetable. Heavenly Father, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us, Lord God, to get a burden, to realize, as I've already said, that the days are short to get a burden and also be comforted in days that are dark and discouraging and Lord God also find something that encourages us and strengthens us uh, Lord God as we face the darkness of the day that we live in that we have a reason to be comforted we have a reason uh, Lord God to keep going we have a truth that we can still stand on and believe by faith and that is Lord that we will not be in this world forever Lord God our, our stay here is just temporary Lord, we are uh, just pilgrims passing through, strangers and pilgrims in this world in which we do not belong. But Lord God, we realize that there is a brighter day coming for every child of God. Lord, where you will cause our bodies to lose gravitation. Our grip to this world will be released. And Father, we'll be with you forever once we are raptured out, once we are joined with you. If we were to live till that moment, uh, God, you give us the promise not only of heaven, if we were to leave this world by way of the grave. But Lord God, a rapture of the church, a meeting in the air of our Savior, and Lord God, heaven to look forward to as you take us to be where you are, and Lord, to know that we will never depart from your presence again. Father, we just thank you for that, and Lord, we bless your name. Save someone that needs to be saved in this place. Touch some backslider. May they get their heart right with you before they leave these grounds. And Father, I pray that you'd minister to the heart of every child of God exactly the way that you would see fit 
fit and exactly according to the need. And Father, we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. This uh, we have already mentioned we are preaching in these days out of this passage of Scripture, out of verse number 18, where after verse 13 through 17 gives us some of the most famous words concerning the rapture of the church. We find verse number 18 that is a little bit less familiar to those that uh, spend time in church in this passage. I, I honestly have not heard very many messages preached out of verse number 18. Most of those that I have heard, and probably you have too, are from verse 13 to verse number 17. But in verse number 18 we are told that the words of the very the most famous passage about the rapture of the church, which of course we've already stated is a word that does not appear in Scripture. It is a word that we have coined as believers to describe the action that will be taking place by the Lord and that is when He will call us out of here to join Him in the air and to be with Him forever. All of the church of God, all of those who have been saved will be snatched away, called away, called away. Amen. And raptured, we use that word, out of here. Uh, literally taken and translated. Amen. The Bible uses that term translated. Amen. I like that. Amen. To be in one place one moment and to be in another place the next. Amen. That's what a rapture is. And this passage is the most famous in God's Word that describes the rapture of the church and the details thereof. And so we do see here, according to verse number 18, that the words that are described about the rapture should be comforting words and not concerning words. They should be words that bring great delight and not words that bring dread. Amen. And so we're also told here that not only will this comfort us, but these are words that we are to comfort each other with. I wonder tonight how many times you and I take the time and spend time uh, <coughs> talking about the rapture of the church with each other. Amen. How much time do we spend doing what this passage says, comforting one another with these words. Amen. We ought to. I believe our pulpits should preach this message more than we ever have. We are drawing closer to this day with every tick on the clock, with every second that passes by. We are getting closer and closer to this event. Amen. And so I believe that our pulpit should be aflame with messages of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. If you think about it, generations ago. Some of the preachers we look back at and, and call our heroes. You think about Brother Colwell. I'm sure you can remember in your generation it was not uncommon to show up to a revival meeting, to show up to a, to a camp meeting, amen, and find a man of God. Get up and preach on the rapture of the church, amen, and the Lord's coming. Billy Kelly preached on it often, amen. Mays Jackson preached on it often. Dr. Seiler preached on it often, amen. And they were men of God who preached on this subject. And it seems like in our day, either this truth is something that has been perverted, something that has been watered down, something that has been made into something that it is not, or something that has been altogether ignored in our churches. And it ought not to be. Right. Amen. This is something for the children of God, not only.
only to know, amen, and to have a prophetical knowledge about, but it has a practical help for us in our lives. It's to bring comfort to us. It is the comfort that God has ordained to get his children through the last days and through moments of great difficulty. We've already talked about the church of Thessalonica and what they were going through. When Paul gave them these words, Paul is telling them that they can comfort their, themselves. They can comfort one another as they struggle within their church with all of the affairs of life that has come into their church, all of the persecution and false doctrine and all those things we've talked about. He says you can comfort each other with those words. It's not just a doctrine to know or prophecy to be enamored with, but this is a comfort that's not only for the individual Christian, but is supposed to have a very prominent place in our churches. Amen. And so I believe we ought to get it back to that place. But that's where we come when we come to this passage of Scripture. We've talked about the promise of the rapture, how all throughout the Bible there is a promise of the rapture. We've talked about the particulars of the rapture this morning, that there, according to this passage, will be comforting sights. We talked about the comforting sight of the Lord descending from heaven, of the lifting of the dead from the earth, of the living's direction to the Savior. Amen. And I think about that. I mentioned some things this morning, uh, or I mentioned <coughs> some some of these words this morning. I, forgot, I failed uh, to preach to you some of the things that I thought about in this passage. Think with me just a moment before I move on. Uh, let's look with, look with me, please, at verse number 16. Right, yeah, verse number 16. The Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with uh, the trump of God. Amen. And then notice this. The Bible says in verse number 7, The dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. Notice this. To meet the Lord in the air. To meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice the way he says, to meet the Lord in the air. I quoted that this morning. But this word, does, it's, not a, it's not a word to where it says this is something, you know, how oftentimes we will meet someone that we've never known before. And we'll say, well, just like those gentlemen this morning, I told both of them, I said, it's good to meet you. In other words, I did not know them before, but now I do. Amen. And uh, next time I see them, I will not tell them it's good to meet you. You know why? I've already met them. Amen. That's not the kind of meeting that is taking place here. Uh, somewhere where they are unknown to each other of course. These are believers. The reason why they're taken up in the rapture is because they do know the Lord. Amen. They have not known him in this way in a physical uh, position where they are uh, seeing him physically for the first time glorified. Amen. But this meeting literally means to have a meeting. It means to have an encounter. I can't help but 
think about when the Bible says that we're going to meet the Lord in the air. I think about the word meet and not only do I think about strangers meeting each other, but I think about, amen, a get together. I think about what the old timers used to call going to camp meeting and going to church. Amen. They'd say, let's go to meeting. Amen. Yes, sir. Let's go to meeting. Amen. I can't help but think about that, Brother Gary, and think about man. Once we're raptured out of here, we're going to have a meeting with the Lord. Amen. We're going to have a camp meeting in the sky. Amen. If you think Greer Baptist camp meeting is good. Amen. You think about some of the old-fashioned camp meetings. Amen. If you think that's good. Amen. If you think Brother Arthur getting up or Brother Kelly getting up and singing, I'll meet you in the morning. Can you imagine what it'll be like when we get in that camp meeting in the sky Amen. and we have that great encounter with Jesus? Amen. I wouldn't be surprised. Amen. If God allowed us to sing, I met you in the morning. Amen. Because it's not I will meet you. It is we are meeting. Amen. I'll meet you in the morning. No friend on that day will be having the meeting. Amen. And the greatest morning of them all. Amen. And so I rejoice in that. Amen. I'll meet you. Amen. I'm thankful for that. It means to have a friendly encounter. It has a word picture with it. Amen. Uh, that is uh, uh, synonymous with an official welcome of a, a particular city or place or a group of people as they would welcome a, a well-known dignitary into their land. That's what this meeting is talking about. We will meet the Lord and we will receive him as a dignitary. Amen. We'll be in the presence of the greatest dignitary to ever exist, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We will welcome him into our presence. And I think about this, he will welcome us into his presence. He will, and he will enjoy, I can't imagine, I know I'm going to enjoy his fellowship. But it's amazing to me to think about, he's going to be enjoying mine. He's going to be enjoying yours. Amen. Everything he, uh, amen, wanted when he died for us is going to come to pass that day. To be with him forever. Amen. Amen. I think about, I think about what the Bible says, amen, that we'll meet the Lord in the air. I think about verse 16 where he talks about those sounds that I talked about this morning. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. That voice of the archangel is a word that Warren Wiersbe says was the voice of authority. He called it literally the shout of command. And literally this is the same kind of, this is the same kind of word, same kind of emphasis, amen, uh, literally the same, uh, literally the same kind of uh, uh, action taking place here that Jesus engaged in in John chapter number 11. Do you remember a specific shout of authority, a, a specific call and command that Jesus made in John chapter number 11? Anybody in here familiar with a man by the name of Lazarus? Amen. And Jesus went to his tomb after he had been dead and already started to sing, and he stood at the he stood at the opening of Lazarus's tomb where his dead body lay and said, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. That same, uh, that same uh, calling from death to life is what's going to happen to us one of these days. Amen. That shout of command 
man's going to come and we're going to do like Lazarus did. Amen. Do exactly what Jesus said. I think we've all heard it before. Amen. The reason why Jesus had to say Lazarus come forth because if he had just said come forth all of those in the graves would have came out and came forth. Why? Because that voice has authority. That voice gave a command. And when God gives a command all of us that are not God. Amen. Has to do what he says. Dead or alive. Amen. And he was dead but then he walked out with new resurrected life because Jesus gave a shout of command. And he, he, he offered his voice of authority. And that's exactly what's going to happen to us one of these days. Amen. I also think about this and this will be the last thing I give. Amen. Just talking about some things we discussed this morning. I think about where the Bible here says in verse number 17 and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That I studied that word ever. And here's what the word ever means. Literally in the Greek language, you look it up in your strong concordance. Every, and I know we all know what it means. But I thought this was interesting. If you study it in a strong concordance, it will say literally at every when. That's what it says. At every when. W-H-E-N. So in other words, if there is a moment of time once we are raptured and you looked at some of your other raptured folk and say, I wonder when this will all come to an end. It won't. <laughs> because he'll be with you at every win. In other words, as the ages roll throughout all of the ages of time with every moment of eternity, which will not pass the way it does in time. Amen. A thousand years will seem like just a moment in God's presence. Amen. But if we can, amen, I don't know how heaven's going to work. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be concerned with time as we are here. But I I'll just say this, in eternity it may not be measured by seconds and minutes and hours. Amen. Time may just be measured by winds. And at every single one of them, at every single win, at every single question about time, the answer will be yes. You'll be with the Lord at every win. I don't know what that did for you. It may just be, an, yeah. may have been something that bored you, but man, it blessed me at all times, literally at every win. So that's something I failed to give you this morning. I felt like it was too good to miss out on tonight. Amen. I beat myself all up all afternoon because I missed that. Amen. Number three, not only do we see the promise of the rapture and the particulars of the rapture, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I, I'm going to hurry through this point because I believe we all understand this point and I really want to get to the next one. I've been preaching right now. I just crossed the 20 minute mark. So I want to get to the next one. But y'all amen me real good. I'll preach this point real fast and we'll move on to the next one. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Look with me at verse number 22. 1 Corinthians 15 verse number 22. Notice the Bible said, well let's go back to verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. 
So in other words, for us to have a resurrection, God did it by means of a person that was a part of mankind. It came, the, the death, uh, the Bible says here that death came by man, so resurrection had to come by man. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, we all understand that, Adam plunged all of the human race into sin and to spiritual death. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Notice this, but every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Now let me pause there and draw your attention to verse number 52. So resurrection is coming by Christ. Death came by Adam, resurrection is coming by Christ. Look at verse 50, 50, 51. The Bible says, but I show you a mystery. This word mystery is something that has throughout all of the ages of time been unknown until it is revealed. Here in this passage Paul says that he is unfolding a mystery. He is unveiling a mystery. Part of Paul's ministry was unveiling the, ministry, the mystery rather of the rapture. This was a truth that while it is alluded to in the Old Testament was in complete shadows and unknown to God's children until the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Notice what he says. Behold I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. I've thought about putting that verse on the door of our nursery. Amen. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. Verse 52. In a moment, notice this now, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talked about the trump of God. Here we talk about another trump, the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound. Amen. We talked about the sounding of a trumpet. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. When, in other words, when they were put in the ground, from that moment that a man dies, I unfortunately for uh, many of you for sake of this illustration, I have seen that process physically working in the funeral business. From the moment a person dies, it's not a week down the road, it's not a day down the road, within minutes you can see the beginning of deterioration and corruption. Wow. Wow. Amen. Wow. The moment someone dies, they begin the process of physical corruption. However, for all of us, we are conceived in spiritual corruption. The Bible says, for the dead shall be raised incorruptible. In other words, in the resurrection that we will all experience, we will, as he says, be, we, we, will, uh, we will be changed. He said, remember, we shall not all sleep, we shall not all die a physical death, but we shall all be changed. Dead or living, we shall be changed. Is that not what 1 Thessalonians 4 talked about? Amen. The, the, the ones that died before us, they'll go, they'll be changed. Those of us that are alive and remain will go to be with the Lord and will be changed. So this is something that we have never known before and now for the first time us in our spiritual sense and in our physical sense we will understand what it is to have no corruption in us. Mm -hmm. He said we shall be changed. 
Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal, this living, this physical life that has to live and die and this mortal must put on immortality. Why is it a must? Number one, because God declared that it's going to be. And number two, for you to go to heaven to be with God and live as long as God lives, that change has to be made. Right. You cannot be mortal and enter into heaven. You have to be immortal to live in heaven forever. You cannot be corruptible, corrupt, corrupted and go to be with the Lord. You have to have uh, incorruption. So we see this here. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So we under this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. Notice this now, through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, everything we've just read, that will happen to us. Amen. As the people of God. Amen. All of the change that's going to happen. All of the corruption, put, uh, corruption putting on incorruption and mortal putting on immortality. That only happens to those who have, uh, who have uh, been uh, given the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of him, because of what he did by proxy of him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is it in this world that knows what it is to have uh, blessings from God through the Lord Jesus Christ? The ones who have been saved by his grace. The ones who have been washed in his blood. The ones who have accepted the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid for on the cross and with his resurrection. Those that are a part of the family of God through salvation that is only offered through the Savior. So when all of these things are only available to those who are saved. So thirdly, not only are we talking about the promise of the rapture and the particulars of the rapture, but I want to talk about the people of the rapture. Who are the people of the rapture? Well, this passage tells us that it is the saints. Amen. We've seen here in this passage amen, as well as in 1 Thessalonians, amen, that it, there will be uh, past saints. It has to be the saints. We've said you have to have come through the Lord Jesus Christ, been given victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So you must be saved here. But then in this passage, we realize that there are past saints. You think about 1 Thessalonians, those that have already died, those who have already went to sleep in Christ, those that have already died, the past saints. But then it also talks about the present saints. He said in verse 51, behold, of 1 Corinthians 15, behold, I show you a mystery. In other words, something that was not known before. He's showing into this moment, we shall not all sleep. Hey. Until this moment, we've all heard, well, you know, and we even say this to, in our day, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but we'll say, well, everybody's going to die. We as Christians have a, have a caveat that has to go with that. It's we're all going to die 
lest we get raptured. See, in the Old Testament, you study the Old Testament, you study the book of Psalms. Every Jewish person was sold on the fact that they would all enter the grave. The Old Testament has much to say. Actually, the Old Testament has very little to say about heaven as much as the Jewish people talked about the grave. They were preoccupied with the grave. They, and throughout the book of Psalms in particular, as they poured their heart out, they, Dave and David had much to say about the grave, mm -hmm. about going to the grave and those that die being in the grave. Much more than they even talk about heaven or a place of eternal bliss, they were concerned about the grave. They all believe every one of us will face the grave. And yes, we have a hope of eternal life. But our bodies are going in the grave. Here we find something that's brand new. There are some of us in this room that may, we all may go by way of death, but we, ain't, we all may not either. That's right. right. There may be, I, I'm telling you, I know that it is as much of reality. I've seen it in the work that I've done in the funeral homes. I've worked on people as small as four months old, and I've worked on people as old as almost 100 years old. I'm telling you, death is no respecter of persons, no respecter of age. And I understand before I'm done preaching this message, I could leave this world by way of death and be gone. But if, there, if I were to die tonight and the rapture happens tomorrow and God leaves all of you here, I would sleep, but you shall all not sleep, but you shall all be changed. You see, I will change even though I was a past saint that died in the Lord at the time of the rapture. All of you would be changed even though you were a present saint that did not sleep the sleep of death, that did not die. But all of us, both past and present saints, will be changed according to this text. All of what this is talking about, amen, and apply, the people of the rapture are those who are saved both past and present, amen. And so that's the point I'm wanting to mention here. We've seen the promise of the rapture, the particulars of the rapture, the people of the rapture. Amen. But now I want to say something about the placement of the rapture. And I'll say this tonight. One of the most hotly contested debates in all of Christendom since the beginning of the New Testament being written was when does the rapture take place? And it has become even more hotly debated in our day. You have individuals that believe like we do here at Beacon Baptist Church. We are what we would call theologically pre-tribulational believers. Right. We believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. In other words, that prefix pre means before. We believe that the church of Jesus Christ, and I should get an amen on this, we believe that the church of Jesus Christ will be raptured out of this world prior to the tribulation period entering into this world. The church, I believe, and this church has always stood since its beginning day that the Bible teaches that the church of God will be raptured out and the Christian will not spend one second in the tribulation period. It's not, not where we stand as a church tonight. However, there are groups of people that call themselves mid-tribulationists. 
They say that they believe that after the first three, and the, the church will go through the first three and a half years of the tribulation period during the time where the Antichrist is making peace with the nations of the world. And we will go through the seemingly peaceful part of the tribulation period. And then right before all hell breaks loose on the planet, the church will be raptured out at the middle part of the tribulation period. Then you have a group of people that teach, uh, they are what's called pre-wrath believers. And this, I don't know how much y'all know about this particular doctrine, but Brother Cody, this is growing among our independent Baptists. Growing. I know men that I've been in camp meetings with that have left for this particular doctrine. But what we believe in pre-tribulational. One of the most well-known, y'all wouldn't know him, and I'm not going to tell you his name because I don't want you to get to know him at all. He's dangerous. But one of the most popular online independent Baptist pastors from Arizona has a huge following because of YouTube and the internet. Independent Baptist, King James only. He looks at people like us, has devoted time to uh, preaching multitudes of sermons, writing many articles, and even creating feature films from his church that the preacher rapture is a hoax. He calls people like us escapists, saying that we're just a bunch of weaklings and we're afraid of the tribulation period. Can I just, and I know this is not real dignified, but can I say this? He says, y'all are just afraid of the tribulation period. Duh! <laughs> Why would I want to go through the tribulation period? Now let me say this. I don't believe what I believe because I don't want to go. And I want to appease my conscience. If God said we were going, then we would be going whether I wanted to go or not. But it's not what the Bible teaches. But it's growing amongst our independent Baptists, and here's what they teach. They don't teach what the pre-tribbers do, that we'll stay for three and a half years, and at the dead middle point of the tribulation, then we'll be raptured out before it gets really bad. But here's what they teach. They teach uh, that we will go, they're called pre-wrath, before wrath. They say that we will be raptured out right before God unfolds His wrath on the planet. Right before He starts breaking loose those seals of revelation and pouring out those vials of wrath in particular and those bowls of His judgment that Revelation talks about. He said, then we will be raptured out. My question is, if he says we're going to be raptured out before God starts pouring out his wrath, it seems to me like he's afraid of the tribulation period too. Is that not what it says? Let me tell you, this is not part of the message. Let me tell you what those guys do. When they take, that they'll, in particular, this man will take Matthew chapter number 24, and he will take that verse where it says, it talks, about, it talks about language that is very similar to the rapture, and it says, after the tribulation of those days, these things will happen. And he puts the church in those verses, after the tribulation, after Matthew chapter number 24, last few verses of Matthew chapter number 24, he tries to put the church there. But if you study it with half, uh, this is going to be ugly, but I don't know how I say it. If you study it with half a brain at all, do you know that's not talking about the church? Right. 
It's talking about the Jewish people. That's right. The rapture that is, the way the rapture is described there, it talks about that the angels will come from the four corners of the earth and rapture uh, those. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, hey.